Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the smart and funny podcast that talks about your favorite horror films. On this episode, we are spending two full hours complimenting Megan because it's my birthday. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Your hair's so shiny. You look so pretty. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. As always, we're actually talking about a horror movie. Today, we're going to talk about Stuart Rosenberg's 1977 supernatural horror film, The Amityville Horror. Hold on. Is it 77 or 79? It's 79. Literally, as I read it, I was like, this is wrong information. Today, we're talking about Stuart Rosenberg's 1979 supernatural horror film, The Amityville Horror. Hey! Fixed it. Let's talk. Oh my gosh, Mary Kay came up with an incredible icebreaker. Would you like to introduce it, Mary Kay? So if you were a ghost, what style of house would you want to haunt? Please add your definer. I said, if it's a Dutch colonial, then you're basic. <laughs> you didn't say you're basic. You said, yeah, basic. Yeah, basic. Yeah, because I just watched The Good Place, and that's what yep. they always say. Mm-hmm. Love it. I think I've got this all figured out, guys. All right. I would haunt a tiny house. <laughs> <laughs> There's just nowhere to go. Like, if you even turn around, I'm just in the <laughs> other mirror or the other cabinet. I'm just, like, coming up out your sink in your toilet. Like, everything is so close to that. <laughs> like, no matter where you go, I could just be there. And I know if I'm a ghost, I could probably do that in any house. I just think it would be a lot funnier because the moments would happen so back to back. So in a movie like Amityville, incredible, you would just be like, ah, what, ah, what, what, what? And then you'd like step out of that house. <laughs> and then it's a 30 minute film. You're like, what, what the fuck? And if you step back in it, everything's <laughs> all happening immediately again. <laughs> You're so pleased with yourself, which is what I think makes this extra great. What about you, Mary Kay? Oh, I'm just going to go basic and say Victorian. That's where I'd actually want to live. So it makes sense that I don't want to be there after. <laughs> I don't know if everyone could pull off haunting a Victorian, but I think you could. Thank you. I think you've got what it takes to haunt a Victorian. Oh, thank you so much. That's so nice. That's the best compliment anyone's ever given. And it's not even my birthday. <laughs> oh my gosh. I want to haunt, although I would also want to live in a Victorian home. I want to haunt some weird ultra modern house that has like weird vacuums in the floorboards and shit mm-hmm. like that. So all mm. these modern conveniences I'm making super inconvenient and everyone's just having a You're going to be the smart of the smart house. That'd be awesome. Yep. Like Alexa is dead. Exactly. <laughs> Are we sure Alexa isn't? Well, it's not really the same. She's never alive. Like, are we sure she's not like gearing up to like the sci-fi version of that? It's possible. It's possible. You guys want to see a trick? Yeah. Hey, Google, tell me I'm pretty. You're more striking than a perfectly wound up Ethernet cable. <laughs> I'm more striking than a perfectly wound up Ethernet cable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mary's face. <laughs> Mary's just holding her face. <laughs> I think she's frozen. This is uh, <laughs> akin to the face I made when I saw Sir Paul McCartney play. And during Live and Let Die, there was fire. <laughs> That's basically the same face that I just... When I saw I just, him and that song happened, every time the explosions happened, it scared him. And he had to step off stage and calm down because it made him nervous. And I thought that was adorable. He's wonderful. He is. But yeah, so that'd be me. I'd haunt people, but it'd be like, give me a compliment. And I'd be like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be like, like an unsettling compliment, like a compliment that is 
double-edged, yeah. but in a yeah. really, really personal. You're stupid like your father. Like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. That's me as a ghost, everybody. That's amazing. Oh, man. That's why I need a tiny house. I couldn't be that subtle, I don't think. How unfortunate when your own home and technology turns on you. <laughs> Speaking of which, does the fact that this movie takes place in a house make it scarier? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Anything happening in your own home is going to be scarier. Like, if your home is not safe, what do you have? Especially when you just spent all your fucking money on that house. Yeah. Like, you don't have shit to do now. Especially when the house is decorated like that. It was terrible. Stop it. Have an original thought, you guys. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Also, all of Kathy Lutz's wardrobe decisions were the darkest possible timeline. Why? <laughs> you are someone's mother, Kathy. You cannot wear your pigtails that high on your head. Stop it. Oh my God. You didn't like when she wore leg warmers underwear and like a silk robe doing a fake ballet bar in her bedroom? I mean, that was fine, but... <laughs> I mean, her form looked good to me, but I wasn't a professional, so I don't, I'll defer to you. Her form was janky, number one. Also, you're in a house. You don't need those leg warmers on. Take them off. You're not fooling anybody. Okay, well, I would totally wear that exact ensemble. She was also only wearing one leg warmer. Yeah. Okay. No, that's weirder. I thought it was like a wrap. I thought she had like a bum. No, that was a leg warmer. Uh, singular. That was a leg warmer. straight up one leg warmer. Oh my God. I built this whole non-existent backstory in my mind that like she had been a ballerina, was now injured, has these kids and it's like this whole like dramatically different life than what she expected. No, she's not living my life. She's living her own janky life where she spent all of her life savings on a haunted house, poorly decorated it and then tried to be sexy with a singular leg warmer in her Megan, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but that does kind of sound like something you would do. What the fuck? Exactly. No, I would not do poorly Well, she would decorate the house better. I'll say that. I was going to say, number one. (laughs) is one thing. I would not spend all of my money on a house and then poorly decorate it. Because the house itself is a cool house. No. But I would not decorate it like that. Also, I would not wear one leg warmer if I did wear any leg warmers in my bedroom. Second of all, I would have good form when I did ballet. So, no. None of that's my life. Here's the thing. To use a house metaphor, that's all superficial. That's a change of paint. The bones are there, Megan. The bones of the thing are there. If you take my imaginary backstory <laughs> into account, then it is definitely something you would do. Oh my gosh, Mary. I cannot. The thing is, the money is the scariest part of this to me. It's the realest part, yeah. And it's also an element that not all haunted house movies... Oh my fucking <laughs> That's just the ghost at Mary's house. It's not her pet. It's just her ghost, everybody. This is the spookiest podcast because we have real spirits. Yeah, that's zero from Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, <laughs> well, it's something that other haunted house movies don't necessarily take into account. But not only do you have nowhere to go because this is your home, but you have nowhere to go because you couldn't afford to. You had to buy this house and now you can't afford to go spend the night in a hotel or move elsewhere because your money is now gone. This is your life now. Your life where your kid has friends with a satanic pig and locks the nanny in the closet that was never locked. What about it being based on a true story? The movies being based on a true story make them scarier or less scarier? 
I think it depends on the movie. I think that in this case, the DeFeo murders were much scarier than this, like, paranormal stuff. I think you would like Amityville Horror 2. You guys always say that about movies that I just don't really like. It's like, well, watch the second one. Watch more of this and maybe you'll like it more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is, oh, here's the thing. Because it's a true story, it's not, like, licensable. You can't have the rights to a thing that factually happened that isn't someone's, like, life rights, you know? Well, yeah, but I don't think it's necessarily the truthiness of it that makes it the scary part because... I mean, how many movies have been based on the horrors that were Ed Gaines crimes, you know? And all of those are good, pretty much. Well, what I mean is that the movies themselves can be very different and the books can be very different. Like the interpretation or approach can be completely different because the rights to the material are not a thing. So I've been told this actually even before I did this podcast that the various Amityville-based movies are dramatically different. Yeah, no, they're super fabricated, and the people from the stories have actually kind of spoken out about it over the years. But, uh, I don't know, my mom's driven by the house. She used to work down the road from the house, and she used to go creep on it all the time. She was like, I'd never get close to it, but i go look at it, and you could just, like, tell that there is something off about it. And I'm like, Mom, you should have gone inside. And she was like, fuck no, I'm not dumb. And I'm like, are you even really my mother? And that's a funny joke, because biologically she's not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but... Yeah, I guess it's kind of got a point. There are certain things that I think if I'm scared of it in real life, it being based on a true story makes the movie scarier, I guess, than like a haunted house is not something that I particularly find scary. So the fact that it's based on a true story might make it more intriguing where I'm like, ooh, I should watch that. But I don't know if it is more thought provoking or fear inducing for me. Right. And for me, it's like the haunted house part is not the scary part. The family annihilator is the scary part. Right, yeah. so which is why I said I think you would like Amityville Horror too, because that actually tells the story of the murders before they moved into the house. Oh, that actually does make. Because I didn't know it was a prequel. That makes more sense. Yeah, it's a prequel that tells his whole backstory leading up to the murders and like his captivity before they move in and the paranormal shit happens. Yeah, if you guys didn't know, I mean, I'm sure that Mary and Megan know, but some of our listeners might not know the story that this is based on is. The DeFeo family and the eldest son, I think the eldest son, right? Butch Mm -hmm. just like woke up in the middle of the night and decided to kill his family. All of them. Brothers and sisters, dad, mom. Six of them, right? Yeah. And then went to the bar and was like, someone's killed my family. Yeah. Someone. Like, that's horrifying. I heard that story. Did you guys hear the My Favorite Murder episode? Yes. About that one? That's where I heard it first, I think. Mm -hmm. It's really good. I can link it in the show notes because that's like a real intense, sad story because it's so many children. And it's like, I feel like normally when you have a family annihilator, it's one of the parents, you know? And he's like a 23-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's the scariest part. Yeah. Besides the decor of this movie to me. And that wasn't even really the movie. Like the movie was based on the supernatural shit that happened to the Lutz family that moved in after them. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's how we end up with something like My Favorite Murder being this hugely popular thing is that you can't do the distancing thing. Right. It's not fictional. Yeah. And even if you can make jokes about it or be funny in the context of speaking about it, this happened. Those were real human beings and something was going on in this person's brain while they chopped their family down. Yeah. And so to me, it really depends on the particulars of the case. But generally, I find the real story more compelling than the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although my favorite scene was like 30 seconds long. It was in the bar. Mm-hmm. 
when the bartender's like, oh, you look like that kid who killed his family. No offense. <laughs> okay, asshole. <laughs> but I'm taking offense to that a little bit. Yeah, offense taken. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't even know exactly how I would react to that. Because did he know at that point that that's the house that he was living in? I think they knew that when they moved in. Yeah, when they were buying it, she was like, I just wish all those people hadn't been murdered. Yeah, that's right. So he knew who he was being compared to. Yeah, and he was even like, if nobody had been killed here, we wouldn't be able to afford this house. Yeah. How would you even react to being told that you look like the person that mass murdered the family? That I get told that I look like people all the time. So I would just be like, uh-huh, whatever. Keep walking, kid. Because everyone thinks they know someone who looks exactly like me. And I rarely meet people who look exactly like me. So I don't, I don't know what yeah. to do with that. I don't know. I feel like I would definitely take offense, though. I would be offended, and also I would be like, are you sure it's not just the most recent ethnically ambiguous person that you saw? Oh my god, you're right. Because that's usually what happens. (laughs) Like, no, you just know a brown woman. There is somebody else in your life that you can't place. Oh, you know another light-skinned woman. Okay, great. Oh my gosh. Well, that's usually what it is, though. So I'm not going to name any names or dates or definers just for the sake of being polite. But I was recently at a celebratory event (laughs) in a town where I was truly the only person of any sort of remote color. Sure, sure. Right, right. Except for this one other person at this familial. Yep. That you looked like, kind of, in air quotes. No, I mean, but (laughs) (laughs) this... I know, no, that's the joke. (laughs) There was one other person that might have been some sort of other, as the phrase was used, ethnic, which I'm real sick of that phrase. When people are like, what do you want to eat? And they're like, I don't know, something ethnic. That doesn't define shit. All food is some kind of ethnic. All food is ethnic. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, don't compare me to food. Number three, so this very white person, which I know in my life, Felt the need to introduce me to the only other brown-ish person at the wedding, even though she had never met this other person before. She was like, hi, this is Megan. She's from Turkey. Where are you from? I was like, please don't do this. Yikes. Please don't. And the other girl was just like, Hawaii. And then was like, it's nice to meet you. And we both just like walked away and never spoke to each other again because we just felt awkward. I just did the Kelly Kapoor head shake. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Yeah, so don't do that to people, listeners. If you're ever like, hey, brown person, maybe you'll have something in common with this other brown person. Also, we'll find each other. Right. It's not <laughs> hard. Especially if we're the only two brown people in the whole damn town. We've probably already done the, like, what's up, heading out across the room. <laughs> like, chill out. So you're enduring and tolerating as well. Yes. Fight the good fight, Brenda. Godspeed. Yeah. Have a great night in this barn. It's not always that intensely solidarity, but... no. Uh, but sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw Mary Kay, I was like, we will either be the best of friends or we will destroy one another. Yeah, I already just assumed we were going to destroy one another. I didn't even bother. <laughs> like, I just assumed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> she knew you were going to have too many feelings during the zombie apocalypse. Well, she went home and told her ex that my ex and I were going to get together. He was dating someone else. She just, like, put some nasty-ass shit out in the universe. But I No, I just knew it. I just saw it and was like, this is going to be an issue. I can tell already. God. I just, I, I didn't even know Mary yet. I was just like, oh, she's really beautiful. And exactly what he thinks is very, very beautiful. And he's seeing someone right now. Something is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Listen, listen up, listen up, everybody. I'm listening. Nothing happened. <laughs> this is like 10 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I joke a lot about my sluttery, so I feel the need sluttery. to specify here. No, nothing happened while they were dating. Nothing at all. That's because you're an incredible person and we don't deserve you. 
We do deserve well, you. That seems excessive. Mr. Rogers told us that we deserve good people, you guys. That's true. Distrust I, him. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Rogers told everybody how to be a good friend. Speaking yep. of being a good friend, what about mm-hmm. fucking imaginary friends? Imaginary friends are ghosts or spirits. There, I said it. Everyone should know it. Oh my gosh. Speaking of the people in our AmeriCorps term, has Kate told you about her imaginary friend, Mary, when she was little? Probably at some point. I don't know. Masa Asa? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. She had an imaginary friend named Masa Asa, and he would want to go places with them in the car, but he would never wear his seatbelt. Have you told me this story? I know this name. Maybe. 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 Probably. And she said he died in a smoking building. This is incredible. That's what he told her when she was a kid. Yeah. Also, Masa Asa is like not a name that a kid is just going to come up with. Makes up. Like, no, who, they're going to yeah. come up with like Sprinkles McFartface. Not yes. Masa Asa. <laughs> or like my imaginary friend's name, Junior Kid. Junior yeah. Kid. <laughs> His name is Junior Kid, and he wore a hat with a little propeller, red hair in front of him. That's adorable. Sounds just like Like a a cartoon. cartoon. (laughs) So if that that was a ghost, then what the fuck, man? Seriously? That's the ghost I get? Oh, god damn. I'm going to be mad if imaginary friends are ghosts slash spirits, because, again, I've never had a ghost slash spirit, even with all my Ouija board nonsense shit, and that's fucking lame. I just want my own ghost <sighs> do you want junior kid that's not the one that i want <laughs> i don't junior want that one kid. i feel like he's a, a bubblegum mascot i'd rather like he have- has a baseball bat over his shoulder <laughs> he's on big league chew yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty no, accurate. I'd rather have sprinkles make fart face there was a day that he told me he wasn't coming back again. oh my god you got ghosted by yeah. your imaginary cartoon friend you got ghosted by ghosts. <laughs> if it were ghosting, he wouldn't have told me, right? <laughs> you got imaginary friended. It's a new term for when they tell you they're leaving. OMG. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's so instant that you wonder if they ever really existed. <laughs> you know? Like, was it all in my head? Oh my all God. of it? Yeah. All of it. Imaginary friended. No, he, he just, he told me one day, um, I think I was in the bathtub, actually. You were in the bathtub? When it wasn't told- weird for Junior Kid to be there. I was, it was a very small child, obviously. Why was Junior Kid in your bathtub? He wasn't in the bathtub. He was just standing there. He was still wearing his hat, though, right? In just, the bathtub? He was wearing his propeller hat? everything. He was not inside of the bathtub. Oh, okay. <laughs> he was wearing everything, not inside Wait, the bathtub. Wait, did you say he had, like, the little propeller hat? Yeah. Was it always no. propelling? Like, did he always have, like, Beyonce no. wind in his hair, but in his propeller? Or did it, was it just still sometimes? I need to know. These are the big questions. I need to know. Answer the question. No, it rarely spun, actually. Then fuck Junior Kid. Well, first of all, if he was a ghost, then it makes sense that the wind wouldn't affect him. No, it doesn't. Kinda. Mm -mm. You're being pretty selective here, Megan. I'm not saying actual wind. I wanted it to be like figurative wind. Like Beyonce can be standing in the middle of a closed room with no draft and her hair still blowing. I wanted that to be Junior Kid. I see what you mean. No, he was more, I guess, if he was not corporeal, then, you know, the wind couldn't affect him, and he did not have that particular feature. He just showed up one day and said uh, that he couldn't come back, and when I was like, oh, why? He explained that he couldn't exist anymore, that he would just stop being there, and then he vanished. Can I ask you questions and form a case study later? I'm going to psychologically analyze you. Um, no, because we're friends, so that's deeply unethical. Look, 
you're not paying me and I'm not a <laughs> so there is no conflict of interest. There is a huge conflict of interest. This is just for my own files, Mary. I'm going to write a book later. The kid with the stagnant propeller. Well, if I'm crazy, then it's not a ghost. So you got to pick. Do you want it to be a ghost or do you want it to be that my brain is fucked up? I want it to somehow be both. That I don't think that's asking too much. Honestly, for me, probably not. <laughs> Oh my god. That's not worse. I can live with that. Okay, so, okay. Hold on. Are there ghosts in this fucking movie, or is the house the ghost? Or is it possessed? Or why is any of that in the church several miles away? Well, technically, number one, a house is possessed by a demon. Number two, it's also on a burial ground. So here we go with this shit again. Yep. Okay, but you gotta like pick your trope and commit. I agree. If I'm correct about that. I think you're right too, because Carolyn is the one, I think her name's Carolyn, the blonde from town. I don't remember her name, but yes. She gets out of the car with her husband to go confront their work associate, I guess. I never really was clear about what he did for a living. Then she gets out of the car, takes one look at the house and she's like, I'm not going in there. And then gets back in the car. Remember in the beginning? Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, bitch. Good on you, Carolyn. Stick with your instincts, if that is your real name. Then, of course, later she goes in and, like, a demon talks to her voice and stuff. Talk about, like, shut the gates to hell. Yeah. So, because it is a burial ground, a demon has come to live there because what demon doesn't love a fucking burial ground? I mean, basically. Well, I think it was the witch's burial ground, right? John Ketchum? Yes. Yeah, who's not a real person. So, it's not like a Native American burial ground so because witches are buried there a demon came to hang out there so when they built a house there the demon was like this is cool but then the guy that did the mass murders was in this movie a satanist if you go watch the other amityvilles he's a satanist that did the killings but if none of that existed yet then i'm interpreting this so far as the demon chilling on the burial Mm -hmm. ground now inhabits the house and has made the house basically its corporeal existence and uses that to like speak to or possess or drive mad. An inhabitant then kills his family. The family is haunting the demon's body on top of the burial ground. Sure. That was a lot of information that you just threw at me. They kept personifying the house. That's what I couldn't get Mm -hmm. past. They kept highlighting the evil eyes. And I was like, is the house bad? Or Or is it in the house? Yeah, exactly. We don't know. And then when the blood coming out of the walls, I was like, that really could go either way. Also, to me, that that might be the scariest part. I thought the scariest part was when, or one of the scariest parts was when the dog didn't make it out first. The dog always makes it out first. Who the fuck are you telling? I had a heart attack. I knew that the dog made it out and I still had a heart attack. And I held my coffee cup as I rewatched it. It's like, it's, <laughs> everything's going to be fun, puppies. That's a callback from our birthday icebreakers episode, y'all. So if you didn't listen to that because you're like, I don't want to listen to them open presents. I think you might change your mind. You should. They're all relevant. It's pretty good. Wait till you smell what we're cooking. Oh, girl. Like. Stop. So that sequence was really fascinating to me because this whole movie has been, I felt like it had been building up to a scene in which he is super possessed and, you know, trying to chop everyone down and everyone has to get away from him. 
And instead, he goes back and does this incredibly noble right. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was let down by that the first time I watched it. And then we got another turn in that the dog was savaging him. Oh, no, the dog is saving him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I got another turn. Just I don't know if that's my picture quality here or just it looked to me like when he fell to the floor, I thought he fell into water because they're right on the water. And I thought it was just a cool choice mm-hmm. that the water looks like it could be blood or something, something dark and thick. Yeah. But then he came up and... And it was blood. It was gross as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, I can't decide if I like that more or less. I just, I thought it was artistry. Yes. And I, I, I was wrong. More literal. Yes. I'm glad the dog got out. I mean, come on, man. That dog's been trying to tell you for a while. It clawed itself bloody. Like, please look at this burial ground. Please look at this burial ground. Yeah. There's some pretty nice artistic choices that I liked in the film. I thought the filmography of it was nice. I especially liked all the axe shots. I thought those were really cool. I thought the best part of the movie was James Brolin chopping wood. Like, I would watch that. You just, you want an hour and a half of that? Okay, we're going to do a quick poll. Raise your hand if you are surprised that Mary Kay said those words in that order. No one's raising their hand. There's not one hand is <laughs> raised. Zero hands went up. Not a single one. Not one hand. Well, he was wearing a Henley. I mean, that alone <laughs> is like lingerie. I mean. Yeah, 100% agree. I'm dead. Huggy. Gray sweatpants and Henley. That's all you need. Mary Kay's doing this arms above her head dance. She's doing the gold bikini dance. <laughs> it's the same thing. That's what I was trying to illustrate is the gold bikini dance exactly. with me is like James Brolin chopping wood in a Henley and gray sweatpants. <laughs> Look, in gray sweatpants, you can see everything. You're absolutely right. It's so true. I know. It's really true. Have we explained the gold bikini dance at any point? No. <laughs> simply it's the dance every single woman in a gold bikini is ever doing in every rick ross video <laughs> yes. i mean that's not that's a lie that's, that's why it's called that that's why i named it that 12 years ago <laughs> exactly here's something else fun mary has a gold bikini now it's Ew. awesome the second i got my boobs trapped off you bought a gold bikini <laughs> That's incredible. I feel like that is order of operations wise perfect. (laughs) (laughs) See, it works twice. Get it? I did. Get it? Operations? Well, I could finally find a gold bikini that, like, you know. That fit? Yeah. That covered more than just the tiny important part? Yeah. Let me know where you found that because I still can't find one. ASOS. I don't trust ASOS anymore (gasps) after they ruined my last order. I can't. They broke my heart. I'm so sorry. It's like I ordered a really pretty dress from them and they sent me what looked like a foreign knockoff from eBay of that dress. And I was like, this isn't a thing. And then they wouldn't return my money because they're like, we don't sell that dress here. I'm like, it's literally from you. So I'm out $45. You know what happened is somebody returned another dress to them. Probably. And they restocked it and didn't realize that it was the wrong thing. Yep, that's probably what happened. Oh my gosh. So now mm-hmm. I have this ugly knockoff dress and I don't have $47. Damn. Yeah. Womp, womp, womp. So now I'm just mad. I'll probably order from them again, but it's going to take me at least a month to get over it. At least another month. We'll see. That's devastating. I'm so sorry. If it makes you feel better, the first time they sent me the gold bikini, they sent me <laughs> extra small bottoms. <laughs> what kind of fucking monster would do that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to swear. But what kind of fucking monster? The worst part was that I didn't realize, so I tried to put them on. And then your self-esteem was hurt for a minute. What person who wears an extra small bottom would order a gold bikini? That doesn't go together. 
Also, I can only imagine that you did not order an extra small top. So who packing this box was like, yes, this makes sense. No, I ordered the 32G top. (laughs) With an extra small bottom. (laughs) That person has back pain. Maybe they thought you were like Tila Tequila. I taper like a carrot. (laughs) (laughs) Mary's body shape is carrot, not pear. Carrot. (laughs) Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. Let's just end this whole podcast right here. The carrot in a gold <laughs> bikini is the name of our episode. Which is funny because we have an episode titled American Flag Bikini. We do. It's true, it's true. Oh my god. It's before my time. But honestly, Connor's probably gonna have to cut that whole tangent because <laughs> it was pretty long. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we were yeah. talking about the axe shots in the movie. We were. The eyes in the window. What? I don't even. What is that? It's 1970s horror. That's what it is. I was like, oh, I can tell that this was supposed to be a jump scare, but I did not jump. We've evolved as humans with our tolerance for jump scares since 1979. I guess so. Okay, so that was a note. That part does not stand the test of time. Okay. <laughs> Other stuff does. The moment where uh, Margot Kidder was suddenly aged. Yeah, that was freaky. Yeah. To be like Bush's that mother. That got me. That always gets me, man. Like, you can turn away and turn back with a different face. I'm going to be straight fucked up. That's, that works. <laughs> You're like a toddler playing peekaboo. Mm-hmm. And, I, and as I said, the bleeding walls to me is upsetting. It's home infestation, that kind of, like, deep, dark uncleanliness of your home. Mm-hmm. The suggestion that it's something inherently, like, poisoned or diseased or nasty. Yes. All the dead flies. Actually, yes. The fly room would have been scarier to me than blood pouring out of my walls. Totally, yes. Yeah, I'm not down with that. It wasn't scarier to look at, really. If blood started pouring out of my walls right now, I would be like, I'm going to call maintenance. Right. If that many flies were suddenly in this room, I would be like, I'm getting the fuck out. I would just, like, turn the cats loose in the yard. (laughs) I would put the dog on a leash and just be, like, running (laughs) until I couldn't run anymore. That's fair. That's a fair judgment. Absolutely not. Yeah. The flies made me uncomfortable. I also think the noise of the flies made me uncomfortable. Like the buzzing and the humming. And then there was one point when he's in the library and we still hear that noise. I'm like, if these flies fucking show up in this damn library, but it was just like a librarian's whispering. And I thought that stylistically was really cool. That's smart. I also appreciate that it shows that he's in section 100 in the library, which is the psychology and whatnot study and he's like a couple rows down where he's at so he's likely at like one thirty of the dewey decimal system which is parapsychology and occultism that's cool has anybody ever also had to learn the dewey decimal system and still knows half of it nope just me got it cool sorry <laughs> i mean i knew enough of it to get by as a kid but i i didn't i don't remember its components no. me neither that's okay i only know a couple of them obviously like psychology and the paranormal Right. Is one of them, which I thought that was cool that they consistently, there was really good small attention to detail in this movie that I don't feel like movies from that era frequently have. Well, I think sometimes they did that, but it's not consistent enough. It's not consistent at all. Well, and you know, this was an independent movie. At the time, it was the highest grossing independent movie of all time, but you can feel the like push for legitimacy, like getting James Rowland on board was a big deal. Getting Margot Kidder was a big fucking deal. She had just come off of Superman. Yeah. So there was definitely this, like, reaching for, like, grasping towards, like, no, it's a real fucking thing. And Brolin took 
a cut of box office. We've seen this before. It's an independent movie. He took a huge pay cut to do it. This is the same mm-hmm. thing that happened with Gregory Peck and Omen. And ended up making the modern day equivalent of $55 million off of the box office take on this movie. That's amazing. It's not too shabby. Right? Because this wasn't like a super low budget film by any means. It didn't have the same like star power, mega million dollar budget that other movies existed in this time. But like it had a decent enough budget to work with. Yeah. Mary Kay, you had asked like if, you know, the windows and the quick zooms and all that were scary once upon a time. And I was like, yeah, 1979 when horror was like emerging and we weren't spoiled by all the advanced technology that we have now. Yeah. And then Mary, you had put in there about, you know, like Star Wars had come out two years earlier. So it's not like special effects didn't exist. And we still had good special effects in this movie, but also Star Wars had a budget of $15 million more than this movie. Mm -hmm. So it did the best that it could with the budget that it had. Yeah. And it probably put a lot of its budget towards paying some of those bigger name stars. I know you said they took a budget cut, but I'm sure they still, they still took a nice salary. I'm sure. I liked the casting. I thought the casting was well done. I'll take a Brolin any day. I don't mind a generation either. I'll just take one. Yep. Same. Same. <laughs> and I really like Margot Kidder. I don't feel like she's given a whole lot to do here. But I like her in a movie like Star Wars or Indiana Jones, yeah. where she could easily have not done a lot. She still does. She is actively involved in this plot. There's a reason she is a bad bitch who got brought back for the movie that we will henceforth pretend doesn't exist, Indiana Jones for. There's a reason she's the one who got brought back. <laughs> she's, she's great. Yeah, no, Margot Kidder's great. I liked the soundtrack a lot, too. I know that's not a shared opinion by all, but I thought the soundtrack was incredible. And Layla Schifrin can literally do no wrong for me. I did not like it. What about it did you not like? Not that... I'm going to argue that it's right or um, wrong. Yeah, okay. It just distracted me from the actual movie. I don't know if it was like synced wrong or something. I also noticed as far as, I mean, I don't know if it's technically scoring, some kind of sound engineering. The scary parts were scarier because they like maxed out the volume. So it wasn't even really scary. It was like startling. Just loud. Yeah, it was just annoying after a while. It's like I have to turn this all the way up to hear the dialogue. And then you want to like break my speakers when something scary is supposed to happen. Like when the car crashes. Like that's not. Oh, yeah. That's not diegetic sound. Like that's you're adding that in. (laughs) It's very frustrating. It's just noise. And speaking of the volume of things just being like inconsistent and frustrating for me, it's like. When she wakes up from that dream and screams, she got shot in the head. Yeah. Like, that's just jarring. It's not really scaring me. Uh, I just don't like that overstated scare tactic, I guess. It just doesn't work. There were moments where I felt like the music was telling me what to feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there were moments that I felt like it was supporting what was actually happening on screen. That's fair. All of those things are fair. Yeah. I just like Schifrin. A lot. I wasn't like made miserable by it or anything. There were just moments that I was like, oh, you can ease up. Yeah. Okay. Like if the music is doing all the heavy lifting, then it's not. It's not effective. Yeah. And it probably is part of the time period too. Like this is drive-in heavy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you would have had to do that kind of shit to keep people's attention. And I get that, but it just doesn't make it stand very well later. I think. That's fair. Right. There's rumors that this was his score for The Exorcist that he ended up ditching. He won't confirm or deny that. 
They've released the unused score. Yeah. It's not this. No. It's completely different. This was, like, his original plan for it or things like that. But, like, you know, he did this and he did The Exorcist. He did Enter the Dragon. And he's the one that did the Mission Impossible theme, too. So he's done some pretty cool stuff. Oh, I didn't think it was bad of itself. I just didn't think that it... It supported the film? Yeah, yeah. Okay. When I said I didn't like it, I didn't mean that I hated it in and of itself. I just meant... It didn't match the film. You're supposed to add to it collective effort type thing, and I just it didn't go for me. That's what I was trying to say. I just didn't say it right. That's fair. Totally fair. Um, speaking of things that are supposed to contribute and really just distracted me. Yep. The fictional historical references to John Ketchum and the Salem Witches. Yeah. It just felt so, like, thrown in to me that it was like, okay, that's something interesting. Like Mary said earlier, like, pick a trope and stick with it, because it was just like, well, it's not explored enough to be scary. Like in Rosemary's Baby, right? Like if we, we went back into the witches where it was like, oh shit, no, this is the thing that's making all of this happen. It seems just kind of like a coincidence until you realize, no, that coven is still there. And then it's scary. Yeah. And then it's scary because these are all like regular ass, normal, rich looking dudes that are in a coven. Like that's scary. But yeah. this one just was kind of, it just didn't right. ever circle back enough. Here's a quick fact. Goodbye. We're moving on now. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like I said earlier, when I couldn't determine, like, is it the house? Is it something inside of the house? So we have priests. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, so demons. Cool. Priests and demons don't fuck with each other. It's a demon. And then we had witches and this Ketchum story. And I was like, so haunted? But also a murder. So maybe angry, malevolent spirits? Right. Like, is it witches haunting? Is it the family haunting? Is it a demon on the premises? Is it, like, the house like, is it just this piece of land is like... What house you put on it is going to be a shit show? Yeah, it's just going to keep drawing evil shit to this right. location. And yeah, a lot of moving pieces there. Yeah, and I think all of those things can be done well in the same movie, but here's what has to happen for all of them to be able to coexist, is that every piece of evidence has to be able to support all of the arguments. Like, you have to be able to interpret it multiple ways effectively, mm-hmm. and nothing is left out, nothing is like... Oh, but that thing means that this other thing can't be true, which I think is very yeah. hard to do. But when it's done well, it is fucking terrifying. Yeah. And it terrifies multiple kinds of audiences if you can do that well, too, I think. That's how you make it timeless. Yep. And you make it relevant to multiple different types of people. Yeah. Have we had a movie on here where we were all like, this is, oh, Black Swan. Right. That's the one that we were all like, yeah. Oh, and Rosemary's Baby. We had a couple where we were all like, this is pretty scary. Like, it will be scary later. The Shining is scary. No. For all of us, right? No. No. That's one of the ones, to me, where the convention falls apart. Is it that the story of itself is not scary, or just, like, the movie was not scary? The book was good. Yeah, so it's like the story itself was not the problem. It was the execution in the film right. that you didn't yeah. find scary. Okay. Because I was about to end this episode and argue with you about the story of The Shining not being horrifying. I was about to be like, end of episode, start of new episode. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's what happens with this movie, too, is like the original story to me is very scary. Yeah. I mean, and like Mary said, like, you can't just tell the story of somebody's life. That's not fair. And you don't have the right to do that. But that's the part that is scary because that happened and many things about it can be true. You know? Yeah. You should read this book, by the way, and get it on audiobook. I might have to do that, actually. But they made the whole thing up. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's still like a good story. Oh, okay. I was like... 
Yeah, it's not like an autobiographical story, anything. No, no, it's a book written about this story that is ultimately kind of like where this movie came to be. Mm -hmm. So it's by no means a historical telling. Yeah, it was adapted from a novel. Yeah, but the novel, The Amityville Horror, is an incredible story. There was a real family that this is really based on, but the book is a very loose interpretation. Right, but the family has said, we made it up. But the guy who wrote the book has said, we all made it up together. That I don't know. Pretty sure. But no, there's a couple, like, novel adaptations of this story. There's, like, Murder in Amityville, which mm-hmm. is actually, like, the original family story. And then there's the Amityville Horror, which is, like, the novelization that this film was adapted from. But clearly, like, the main difference between the original family story and this one is mostly, like, the religious tones that's in it. It's the supernatural and the inability for, like, the priest to kind of intervene with the family. All right. Go ahead. So, went straight to Snopes because, you know, useful. Snopes is the Bible. The truth behind the Amityville horror was finally revealed when Butch DeFeo's lawyer, William Weber, admitted that he, along with the Lutzes, created this horror story over many bottles of wine. Wow, that's super shitty. The lawyer? Interesting. The lawyer for Butch DeFeo, yeah. The house was never really haunted. The horrific experiences they had claimed were simply made up. How disappointing. Then Jay Anson further embellished the tale for his book, and by the time the screenwriters adapted it, it was just totally off the rails. Meanwhile, the Lutzes profited handsomely from their original, like, from their mm-hmm. personal version of the story, right? Yeah. Because you get rights to their story, just not the Butch DeFeo situation that's factual. Yeah. Yeah, but their lawyer can bullshit. That's so bad. Anyway, go ahead. So the Lutzes profited handsomely, Weber planned to use the haunting to gain a new trial for his client. Interesting. What? Well, shit. Oh, lawyers are so slimy. Well, that just poops over the last topic. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that that was... I I thought that that was common knowledge because I went into the movie knowing it was a hoax. I never looked into it outside of the original murder story. I just can't get past the idea that I'm guessing a defense lawyer... Yeah. Yeah, it's Butch DeFeo, the lawyer for Butch DeFeo, the actual murderer. Yeah. Yes. Fictionalize the story to a novelist who thought that he was telling the truth, or ish, you know, like someone's actual experiences. Enough. And plan to use the cut of that to make more money off of someone who killed their whole family. That's the scary part. Yep, what a world we live in. The detail that he actually said over many bottles of wine... Yeah, they were drunk. First of all, you don't get slammed off of drinking wine quickly. That's a slow intoxication. Over many bottles means also over many days. That means you plotted that shit. Yeah, that means you sat there all night long and thought deep and hard. That is true. I would never drink more than one bottle of wine in a day. Many bottles, Mary, many, not two, not three. Yeah, they sat and shared many bottles but no, America's right. That's like deliberate conversation. Also, I feel like it's one thing if you're uninvolved in it and you're telling a story that you know is fictionalized. Mm-hmm. That's less immoral than making money off of someone who has killed many people that you know. Yep. I think it's different. I mean, I'm writing a story about a serial killer, so I don't, I mean, my novel is about that, but like, I don't know her and I'm not going to use it to make money off of her. I was going to say, but you don't know her and you're not padding her story to intentionally make money. You're not turning her victims' lives into porn. Right. That's, yes. Thank you for not doing that. You're incredible. 
I mean, I don't know if that's incredible so much as like basic human decency, but. <laughs> well, tell that to this man. Oh my gosh. That's awful. I really thought everyone knew that. I didn't know all those details, no. I don't know where I stumbled into that. But... Yeah, I didn't know all those details at all. Also, am I a hypocrite? I might be. I mean, I know we all are, but like, I feel like my outrage at that lawyer. I wasn't mad at the writer. I was mad at the lawyer. You know, I don't think that's hypocritical, though. It's not like you knew this serial killer and you were like, look, let's make this story way fucking crazier so we can make a shit ton of money off of this horrific event. I don't know. I'm, it's not clear from what I've heard up until now or from what I'm reading right this second that Anson, the novelist, was aware that it was completely fictional. He didn't mm-hmm. sensationalize mm-hmm. it. Well, his, his work is a novel. When you pick up a novel, you know this is fiction, you know? Yes. Right. I, I don't know that he knew the entire premise was a hoax. And I feel like even yeah. if he did know it was a hoax, it's like, this is fiction, though. It's intended specifically, yeah, for fake entertainment. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Food for thought, everybody. I'm going to put a poll in the Facebook group or on Instagram and be like, hey, did you know this story was complete and total bullshit? Okay. And see what people say. I'm curious now. Yeah. So tell us. Because now I need to know. Yeah, we need to know. And don't go acting like you knew when you really (laughs) didn't. Be honest. Because we'll fucking know. Be honest. This is about growing and learning, as we said in our last episode. I don't remember why we said that. To be funny. (laughs) But I was listening to it today, and Mary said it, and I was like, what just happened? I have a question. (laughs) Yes. Why does the priest go blind? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I'm trying to remember when he goes blind. I know that he's just been, like, gradually gets sick, and then he goes blind. He goes blind in the church. Because he has failed in his most important capacity, but we don't care if a priest is impotent, so he goes blind. Hmm. Well, okay. That's the symbolism that we're going to... Is that... Okay. Did I get it? I mean, maybe. Speaking of impotence, did anybody else get, like, unwilling to suspend your sense of belief when James Brolin had ED? Is anybody else like, no way. That's not... I don't believe it. No? Just me? Yeah. Well, that's why I thought they were demons. <laughs> that's fair. I just assumed. I think it's a fair assumption. I also am disappointed with myself because I feel like our closers always come to us sometime during the episodes. I was like, I'm not going to rack my brain over a closer. I know. Normally they do. And nothing came to us this time. Oh, Mary's ooing. What about like, what is the like fucked up fake ghost story of your life that people might actually believe? Explain that to me. Like if I had to tell people like, I couldn't be like, this is on a burial ground. I live in an apartment complex. But I could be like, someone overdosed in my bathroom, mm. and now she keeps waking me up in the night asking if I have an eight ball. Ooh. Like, I, someone would believe me if I said that, like, I have the ghost of, like, an old school Austin, like, band party boy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I get up in the night, he's just, like, sitting on my couch, like, listening to a record that I can't see. Someone would buy that. Okay. I live right by the most annoyingly bougiest part of the belt line so I feel like my haunting ghost story would be some little girl named like Christy with an I and she died from doing too much Pilates and she never got her pumpkin spice latte and now she follows me around <laughs> okay first of all I love both Pilates and pumpkin spice Look, latte I do too I'm not hating that okay. but your name is not Christy with an I that you dot with a heart instead of a dot 
I don't have any I's in my name, or I probably would do that. What if you spelled it with, instead of a Y, you put the I? That's what I'm saying. Instead of Christy with a Y, she put an I. Okay. Like Mandy with an I. You know they're up to no good. Okay. Mandy with an I, if you listen to this podcast, you're up to no good. Smells like trouble. <laughs> and pumpkin spice lattes. Look, I'm not hating on pumpkin spice lattes. No, I love the way they smell. I have one today. I love them, but I also like them more so for clove and cinnamon than I do actual pumpkin. Yeah, I thought, I don't even know they had pumpkin in them. I thought it was the pumpkin spices. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Yeah, that's Starbucks' whole thing now is that they use real pumpkin in their pumpkin spice lattes. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was just like piles and piles of sugar and then like a clove dropped straight into your cup. Yeah, it's so amazing. Their whole thing now is that they use real pumpkin instead of artificial pumpkin. So like there is some pumpkin flavor in there, but mostly everyone's just in it for the spice. Mm-hmm. I thought we had all agreed on that and accepted it and made peace with it and moved on with our lives, but I guess like, <laughs> I <didn't know. laughs> Mandy with an I didn't. Let's see. The ghosts that would actually haunt me. They're coming back for that TV that was left on your porch. Right. Mm. Yeah. I have actually, I live really close to Northside Drive. So, and this is not actually funny, but there are a lot of homeless people that come like right near my apartment. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I wonder like how close they are to being, I don't know. They just seem like they're in very poor health and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So that's probably the thing that would be the most likely, but. The funniest one that I could think yeah. of is, so my great grandparents were first cousins and they ran away from home, obviously, because their parents obviously did not approve of their union, obviously. Obviously. So once they, you know, that. had a loving marriage of like 50 years and literally 10 children in the South to which they ran away, their parents eventually got old and had to come live with their children, which is what you did Mm -hmm. in the 40s and 50s. And my mom says that he really hated this kid so much that he found a sweater that my great grandfather gave to my great grandmother and hung it on a fence post and shot it full of holes so she couldn't wear it and like left it on the fence so he would see it. Oh my gosh. Uh And uh, that's wonderful. mm -hmm. And so I can only imagine what kind of like resentment and spite he would have had having to come live with them you know (laughs) afterward and my mom said when she was a little girl like he only spoke Arabic so she could only talk to him a little bit but he would just sit in the rocking chair and like not interact with anyone and like she would wake up in the middle of the night like years later and just like see him in his rocking chair creepy and I imagine it is the lingering resentment of yes them marrying each other I love it that's incredible right I made all of that up just now did you really? No. Oh. <laughs> but wouldn't that be awesome? I was like, got him. They believe it. It's the believable ghost story of my life. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you at all. I made up about half of it. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. It's fiction. And that's how I get away with telling lies. <laughs> Just like this movie. That was a fun closer. Oh Did everybody go? Yeah. Okay. What are we doing next, Mary Kay? So for next time. I'm so excited about this. Next time is our Thanksgiving episode. And in honor of Thanksgiving, it was my pick. I picked a colonial horror film by Robert Eggers. Came out in, I think, 2015, maybe 2016. The film The Witch. So fucking good. Which, if you haven't seen it yet, it's straight fucked. It is so good. I could talk about it forever. And I have. I wrote a blog about it on Book Squad Goals or a post about it on Book Squad Goals website. So I will link to that. 
I presented about it at a pop culture conference last year, and I will link to that. <laughs> Mary Kay called me. Yep. And basically, she called me and said, will you ever watch this? And I said, it's a horror movie, obviously not. And then she just said, cool, so you don't care about spoilers, and told me the entire... We were on the phone for like an hour, hour and a half. You might as well have watched that shit. You might as well. Well, she explained the entire movie, and then like we unpacked all the shit that she like needed to talk about. Mary Kay sent me a text and said, it's on Amazon, here's my login, watch this right now. Yeah, it's really short too. I think it's like maybe an hour and a half. But they pack so much into that movie though. It does not feel like it's as short as it is. But it doesn't feel rushed. No. It's somehow still a slow burn but like it never stops and most of the actors are children and it's amazing it's so yeah. good like i don't know how they found these kids the little girl from thoroughbreds is in there yes um anya taylor joy yes our girl yeah from thoroughbreds from split she's amazing she is just like a force of nature the whole movie is amazing it's my favorite scary movie it will legit both scare the shit out of you in real time and slow burn. So you have like an existential crisis in the grocery store two weeks later. <laughs> Did that happen to you for real? Yeah. And I could not <laughs> stop thinking about it forever. I really can't oversell this movie. It's going to be amazing. Even if you don't come back and listen to the podcast. Cause I mean, you made it this far. You'll probably come back, but yeah, I will try to keep it short, but there's just so much shit we could talk about. It's going to be so good. Mm-hmm. excited about it and it's on netflix too so you have no excuse yeah i think it just came to netflix and it's definitely on amazon prime too so if you have prime you can watch it for free even yeah it's dude it is impeccable like it is seriously also it's at target and it's only 3.99 go buy you a cheap ass movie because you're gonna want to watch it again anyway yeah and also you can't just watch it once like as soon as it's over you have to start it again and then just keep it on a loop for the rest of your life like the office yeah, it's like, wait, what, wait. I don't know. I still have friends who I like made watch that movie and they'll still send me memes about it now. Like, that's how freaky it is. It's so good. It's so good. Okay, so anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. That comes out in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't already, subscribe to us so you can get it immediately. And then tell your friends, review us on iTunes because that's how we get other people to listen. So thanks, y'all. Sure. Bye. Bye.